We Saved You a Seat is sponsored by the Oklahoma Family Network. Oklahoma Family Network focuses on supporting families of children and youth with special health care needs and disabilities, as well as families who have children with a mental health or behavioral health diagnosis. Oklahoma Family Network provides families with emotional support, resource navigation, parent-to-parent engagement opportunities, and wants to ensure quality health care for all children and families by building strong and effective family professional partnerships. Welcome back to our conversation with Lauren, Evan's mom, as we continue to discuss minkies. If you missed the first part of this podcast episode, please feel free to listen to the podcast just prior to this one. And now feel free to just listen in as the conversation is already in progress. Granted, we had just got diagnosed on a Monday. This is Thursday. There's like no time to like even fathom what's going on. And I just remember being... So in four days, your uh-huh. life has completely been like having oh, yeah. no information to now being saturated in a world that you are completely unfamiliar with. But it wasn't even like we had a conversation of like, this is what it is. Here's some time. Okay, now here's all the stuff happening. It was like, we got the information and it was like, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, that's what I said. Like, the, you think the worst thing happened? And it's like, when's the next shoe falling? And it's like, how many shoes do we have? Like, well, why does things keep falling out of the sky? Like, what are we doing? So when he was having, when, when you guys thought he was like reacting and smiling and engaging, was that a, a result of seizure activity? Or do you think that he was, kind of explain that a little bit. So for my, so Evan does Evan from early on. He never follows textbook. So it was Evan, like Evan was smiling and reacting to us, even though his brains were telling him and his body to do other things. His seizures are not um, convulsive. They're not, I mean, when he was the first ones, he just kind of turned blue a little bit and kind of had this like gaze, weird gaze. But then right after he was done with it, he came to, it was never this, like he had a seizure, then he slept. And he kind of woke up. He never did that as a baby. It was, um, he would be coughing and then all of a sudden would throw up and have a bowel movement and his oxygen would drop. And then like, we thought possibly that was a seizure. Like we were like helping suctioning him. All of a sudden it was just like this, everything just kind of came out both ends. Um, So for Evan, and he never, like I said, he never slept afterwards. So even after those, it would be like, he'd perk up and be like, well, okay, I'm good. Like, what are you guys worrying about? Like, we're all, I'm fine here. So during that part, I didn't, we didn't notice anything. So when he was smiling and laughing, like the neurologist was even stunned being like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you or how to tell you this, but from a medical standpoint, looking at all these tests here, we're running continuously on him he is showing that he's having seizures and he's misfiring and his brain activity is not, not okay. And that if he continues doing this, like this is going to lead probably to brain damage, which it's one of those like lack of oxygen causes brain damage, bad seizures with like, so we didn't know where that late. Plus like I didn't, we, we are new parents to seizures. Like I am telling you, they keep telling me like, at some point, he probably had a seizure beforehand. If it was him turning blue or him looking weird, I never noticed that. And I was in his face 24 hours a day. Like, well, I was a stay-at-home mom. 
with a baby that I wanted. I mean, we tried for this baby and I never left his side. And like, we would do tummy time and sing songs and all these things. I've never noticed him not, not look at me. So, um, that was like he was told this is what he has. And then it was like, he just snowballed into all the symptoms, the symptomatic piece to that diagnosis. Oh, wow. And I remember talking to NIH when they called and we like had that, we were supposed to go up for there. They kept asking. So when was the last time he smiled? And I was like, well, he still smiles. It's like, when did he get his feeding tube? And I was like, a feeding tube. So we had just gotten diagnosed the next day. He's like, so when did he get a feeding tube? And I'm like, oh my, the feeding tube, what? And it's like, when has he put, been put on oxygen? And I was like, oh my. So now I'm, I'm thinking like the heavy weight of all this is about to happen. When, when I called my mom and was like, he asked all these questions. She's like, but that's good. He's not on any of this stuff yet. Or like, he's not on any of this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, not yet. Like, this is bad. Like, anyway, so we were in the medically induced coma for like seven days. And like, no, maybe even, I don't remember. Before, if you would have asked me like dates, times, everything, I would have known exactly what hospitals say, how long it was, what it was for, and like what happened during it. Like I remember being very vivid with all those things. And then one day I was just like, I don't want to remember all those. There's no reason to hold on to any of that. Like the trauma of going to the hospital within itself. And even now, if we ever went, it's just like gut-wrenching, like, is he going to come home? That has always been the question. If we bring him in, will he come home? And like, the answer is, I don't know. And like, thank God, most of the time, or all, every time it's been a yes, but it's during those hospital stays, it's been really close of, I don't know. What do we do to help him get through this? I mean, those are the questions, those are the conversations we have when we go to the hospital. But that first one, it was, when do I get to hold him again? Like, when do, when do I get to see him? When is he going to come back? Like, when is, is he going to come back? Um, and that was a fear too, is if we do a medically induced coma, will Evan come out of it? But at that point, it was, if we don't do anything, he will not go home. When he's in a medically induced coma, does that put him in the PICU for that stint of time? Okay. Oh, yeah. So they can, so from what we've learned is like, so we have nursing at home, so they can suction here. We have oxygen here and um, we have a BiPAP for when he sleeps at night. I'm trying to think of all the other stuff. We have feeding tubes. We have a G-tube that we put, got put in that first hospital stay. Um, so anything I can't do here, basically, I'm in the PICU. So when I, when we roll in, the question is not like what floor we're on. It's like how long until we get into the PICU because, and now that we're so advanced, now that we're farther along in our journey, they know like when we roll in, it's because I can't do it at home. Don't put me on the floor because you're going to be putting me to ICU anyways, because once we're done with ICU, I can do everything from home. It's I need that extra support for him to get Past, hopefully get past whatever we're going through. I definitely want to take a whole segment someday and talk about all of those hospital stays, or not all of them, but, you know, kind of bring the awareness and the education piece. Yes. And, and so that moms who are kind of maybe walking through a hospital stay and what those mean and all of that. And I kind of want you, you said something earlier about the Minkies initially, initial diagnosis was through the blood work and through the blood tests. And then you kind of were starting to 
to kind of navigate into the uh, how ultimately the markers and all of that. So was that something that y'all were both tested for and kind of talk about, is it a genetic thing or is it just more of a blood thing? Is it just an autoimmune thing? Tell me a little bit about that historical piece of Minkies. So the Minkies disorder is on the X chromosome. So it's genetic and either the mom passes it through, she's a carrier and she has the gene and just doesn't know it or she does know it or it's spontaneous where the egg just randomly has on the X chromosome, that protein is messed up. So what they were doing was they were testing Evan's blood, really his DNA, and they were looking through that. Um, it's like ATP7A, but like it's that protein. And for his, it's a random stop sign. So it goes through the whole sequence and like right towards the end, it just stops. So it never finishes. Even he still has a full gene. It's just like randomly, whatever reason, it just doesn't complete it. So they tested me. So weirdly enough is at NIH, cause we went after we got out of that hospital stay. So it wasn't that week. It was like two weeks after our hospital stay, they got us up there um, and they tested him through um, the same way you would test newborns. Um, but they have new technology that they can pull DNA from um, dry blood drops. And it's like amazing. It's like this new DNA stuff that they're having. So um, for them, they were able to find his DNA marker, like the, the protein within a week where I had to wait like four months for Evan's diagnosis through DNA through a lab. So, um, when we got that back from NIH, because we skipped it, so I got that back from NIH, the genetic specialist, and it's like rare. Minkies is like one out of a 100,000 to 250,000. Like it's super rare. And I think that, I don't know how rare it actually is or if it's because it's so new and people are now getting diagnosed with it. If it's actually more, um, I'm still saying it's rare. I'm not going to take that away from it, but I wonder if there's more babies that have it and it's because it's on the x chromosome so my i have two x's because i'm a female so one of my x's will cover the mutation so i'm still getting copper where like evan being a boy he has an x and a y the y coming from my husband and from that it can't cover so all like there's no copper at all like we're with a female there is and there are so most of it it's a male who has minkies and there's maybe like six or seven females that were are known that have Mickey's and that could be a random weird thing on the dad but like the dad would have to have like a weird stuff on his x chromosome that he gave his daughter and mom would have to be spontaneous or uh, a carrier did all my blood testing for that and then randomly got a phone call over the phone so like evans we had to come in come into the into the office. This one was done right over the phone. She just said, hey, are you available? And I said, yes. And she said, well, your numbers or your test came back positive for Minkies. And I just remember being like whacked in the face. And I just remember Sam was cooking dinner and um, I just remember sitting on the couch with Evan and just bawling because it was that expectations of me having more kids on my own were out the window. 
and and that was our decision but it was crap now what like spend tons of money on IVF or not have any more kids or adopt like that was there was no there was no discussion whether we were going to have another child with Mickey's or even try by ourselves like I just think to bring another child in the world knowing that I was a carrier um, and not taking that in consideration. I just don't know if I could do that to, to another child of mine, let alone have me and Sam lose another child, even if we did copper early, which there are so many success stories. You can see a brother to another brother who have minkies. One didn't have copper, one did. And the one who did is like, running around, going to school, has friends, playing sports, where the other one is bedridden like Evan is. So um, there are differences. I just, for us, I wanted to be, that's just a decision we made. And it was hard because of all the things that you think about of what child is worth giving life to. You can go through the whole philosophy right. of IVF and all those things and um, which was another journey we decided to do. We have a baby boy. He's five months old. He's an IVF baby, and he does not have minkies because we decided to get him tested. Um, but he is definitely night and day from Evan. Evan was a very good sleeper, great baby, like never cried, very happy. Not saying that Ryan's not because he is, but he's go, 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 go all the time. And he hasn't started crawling yet, but oh, the day he does, <laughs> we're putting gates up. <laughs> like, I don't know. You didn't have gates with Evan. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's just not, he constantly moves all the time. And like nap time, like I'm surprised he's still sleeping. Like nap time is usually a struggle at our house because he's, he doesn't want to miss anything. He's constantly moving. It's been a joy. It's been different, but it's definitely something that these last five months have brought so much. It's different. Like it's, we have joy with Evan every day. Like I, we choose joy. We choose joy over fear, hands down every day, all day. Like even with bad news, it's what's the silver lining? He's still here. What's the silver lining? Like for instance, like he hasn't been digesting for a while, for a couple of days. So it was like last Tuesday. Saturday or Friday, we added an old medication back because um, he wasn't digesting. Um, and then sat Saturday, we did the same thing. So we use clomazepam, which is like Ativant, but Ativant puts Evan into respiratory distress. That's why we don't give it to him. So clomazepam was added back on um, because we kind of did the non, the we did the whole not digesting a year ago and we thought he was passing. It was like a three week period where we were having family come to say goodbye. Like it was just awful to kind of, I thought we were going to go through the same steps this time. But after that reset Sunday, Father's Day, and I kept kind of dreading Father's Day being like, I really didn't want something bad to happen for Sam. Um, nope, Evan was perky alert. I was going to get in the pool and I turned to him and I said, do you want to get in the pool? And he raises his eyebrows for yes and closes them for no, his eyes for no. And I was like, do you want to get in the pool? And he's like, yes. And I was like, okay, let me ask this differently. <laughs> do you want me to turn your show off? And he said, yes. And I, cause he watches his iPad. And I said, 
do you want a diaper change? And he said, no. And I said, do you want to go swimming? He said, yes. And I said, do you want to go outside? He said, yes. And I was like, do you want your brother to come? And he said, no. So I was like, kind of understand, like he was understanding what I was saying. So his nurse got her bathing suit on because I told her to start bringing hers because it's hot out. And Evan or Sam got in the pool with us. We brought Ryan in and we had like 30 minutes of just pure fun. It was all smiles and his air, his problems is airway. So it's like he's on oxygen now all the time. So it's finding that silver lining of like, is it worth taking him outside? And my thought was, yeah, we're going to try for 30 minutes. It doesn't work, doesn't work. We'll just bring him back in. And it was, I was talking to a friend the next day and she's like, how's Evan doing? And he kind of went back into that sleepy mode or looking like he was sleeping. And I kept saying, it doesn't matter about today. Yesterday was awesome. But 30 minutes and he was alert the whole day. And even afterwards, he didn't sleep. He was just wide awake. And I thought, if we got anything, yesterday was amazing. It was so much fun. So it was, so it's just finding those like, trying not to just dread on like all the crap. I mean, everyone goes through crap, but it's some days are harder than others, but it's what's that one thing that just, I mean, this morning he was belly laughing. You could hear him throughout the whole house and like now he's sleeping. So it's like, but at least I know that he's there and he's happy and he's alert and he like is enjoying life where like he could just be laying there just staring off, but like he interacts. So just, and with Ryan, it's been so different. I mean, he's, he loves being a big brother. We've talked about it my whole pregnancy. When I started showing, he would like look at me and then look at my belly, and, like look at me and look at my belly. I'm like, do you want to touch your brother? Like he would like hold my, like I put my hands on him and I like would pat my belly with him. I'm like pat, 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 pat. Cause we used to pat Evan like on his butt, like pat, 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 pat. And I'm like, you're going to pat your brother? I'm like pat, 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 pat. And he'd like giggle and like, and I'm like, you feel him? And then he would, Brian would kick and you could see, you would see it in Evan's face. So like, whoa, I'm like, you feel that? And he would kind of smile. I'm like, you feel that again? I'm like, that's your brother kicking you. So like, we've always, that was my, my whole thought about IVF was having Evan be some part of the process. So like the second I started taking my uh, hormones, like he had met my expectations. So all of this is just icing on the cake. I was going to say, it's, it's the icing, isn't it? Like, yeah, just him. And like when Ryan's really crying and you could tell him like, oh my, like, I don't know what to do. Evan's over there laughing. He's like, ha ha, mom, you wanted this baby. <laughs> like, he just thinks it's really funny. And it's like, it's not so funny. And then whenever Ryan's acting up, Evan will sometimes act up just because like that's a sibling thing to do. But Ryan's learned if I'm suctioning Evan, like he knows he won't be held. So he can cry, 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 cry. The second the suction machine comes on, he's quiet. And then I turn the suction machine off and Ryan starts up again. So the joke around with me and my um, nurses is like, just keep the suction machine running. Cause he's in that four month regression right now. So it's like the cry, it's not even the crying, it's the screaming that I'm like, oh. When are we going to, like, get over this? <laughs> this is what typically developing children <laughs> put parents through. <laughs> different. It's like, and, like, I would never change it for the world, but it's one of those. 
broke. Like we had a friend over that has a special needs. She has two special needs kiddos she adopted. And um, we were doing something with Ryan. I was doing something with Ryan. She was like, so like, how does this feel? Like, I'm not used to typical kids. And my husband goes, yeah, me, me neither. Like, <laughs> we've never done this before. This is brand new. Like, this isn't something that, like, Evan didn't come with a manual, but you think, like, typical kids would come with a manual saying, like, this helps them stop crying. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, so really, truly, Evan wasn't, he didn't cry. Does, does, does he have those emotions then? Does yes, he yes, feel the pain? Yes, does he have yes. those kinds of things? Yes. No, he, he definitely has, um, big emotions, but he, crying's not one of, like, he cries when something's wrong. Like, when he cries, something's really wrong. Like, his pain tolerance is really high, um, but when he's uncomfortable, he'll cry, um, Recently, because I've been studying, because you have a newborn, you're holding the newborn all the time. I don't hold Evan as much, which he also doesn't like being, Evan does not, he's five years old and he keeps reminding me like, I'm not a baby anymore. Don't do those things. But the other day, like he cried and I was like, why are you crying, bud? And I came over and was rubbing his head. And I was like, the second I stopped rubbing it, he started crying again. I'm like, do you just want me? And he said, yes. And I was like, oh, I can sit here. I was like, I can, I'll love on you. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I know brother has been taking up a lot of my time. Like, I just, I just figured he didn't want me. I mean, every single time before I wanted to hold him, he'd be like, ah, oh. like, there's so many times I can hear, before I'm like, okay, dude, like, won't do it. <laughs> but I also, um, so when Evan was diagnosed to probably the age of like two, even almost three, I held him every day, all day. And I remember my dad being like, that's unhealthy. Like sitting me down and being like, I'm really concerned about you holding Evan all the time. Like, like I'm afraid that you're gonna have that, like that connect that you're not gonna be able to, once he passes, be able to like step back from that. Like you're gonna be constantly reminded like, and they knew where he was coming from. But at the same point for me, it was like, dad, one day I'm not gonna be able to hold Evan. And I have to be okay with that. I have to be okay with, getting all my snuggles in now because one day he won't either want me to or he won't be here for me to do it. And then right around, I want to say like two and a half, it got to, he didn't want to be touched all the time. Like me, I'm like snuggling him and loving on him. And he just was like, nah, like I want to be left alone. And I was like, okay. And I, to this day, I'm perfectly fine not holding him that day. Like every once in a while, like I'll get over there and like rub his legs. And of course, like I love on him. But I don't snuggle him like I used to because he doesn't, he's a five, I mean, how many five-year-olds do you know every day want to be snuggled by their mom? Not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot of boys. Yeah, you're respecting that piece of his, yeah. his developmental cycle. So absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the same time, when he was so much younger, it's mm -hmm. not that you weren't taking advantage of those opportunities that you had him there that you could. Yeah. So I, as, as a mom, I mean, of course, I just, yeah. So I just, I, and we'll be, Sam and I both say, like, he's a typical child trapped in an unable body. Like, he is a five-year-old to a T. He likes certain things. Like, he doesn't, like, you can ask him questions, and he'll be like, no, I don't like that. Like, you don't like this? It's like, like, I bought him something, and I'm like, hey, it was like a squishy, like, it's like a, a toy that has beads in it, and it's like an alien. But when you touch it, it has texture to it. Like, it kind of feels sticky, but it wasn't sticky on your hands afterwards. And I bought him, for, bought it for him because I left him with a new nurse. 
we've had her for a couple of weeks, but like I had to go run out to Target to get something real fast. I took Ryan with me. I left her with him and it was like 30 minutes. But I'm like, if you were really good, I'll get you something. So I brought this thing back and I'm like, hey, do you like this? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Like, you want to hold it? And he was holding it and you could just tell his face was like, I hate this. Get this off of me. So I pulled it away and I'm like, I'm like, did you like it? And he said, no. And I said, okay, do you want me to put it down? And he said, no. And I'm like, do you want to hold it? And he was like, yeah. I'm like, but the second I put it back in his hand, he's like, his face is just like, ugh, what is this? This is disgusting, mom. But I think that's like a typical five-year-old being like, this feels really weird, but I still like it. Yeah, and the, like, the sensory things well, that are, yeah, are so different. So. And like the crawly stuff. So, but, so what does he enjoy watching? What does he enjoy? Those kind of things. Everything a five-year-old does. He likes Hercules, Cars, Toy Story, Monsters, Inc. And his one, one of his favorites is Ratatouille. I think because my husband plays it for him all the time and he just thinks it's the coolest thing. Um, Luca, the new Disney the movie, I haven't one. seen it. But he laughs through most of it. And what's another one? Like any, any Disney we are stuck. So from the age of like six months to two, it was nonstop Mickey Mouse all day long. <laughs> like all day long. Mickey Mouse, but it was like, it's the same songs over and over. And he was watching it on the big screen. So like we would have like Netflix up and it would be all Mickey Mouse. And it was like me and my nurse couldn't watch anything because Evan had the TV so we decided we were going to buy him an iPad or his papa bought him an iPad. And like, thank goodness, because he gets to watch his own shows, own personal device. He gets to choose what he wants to watch. And we got our TV back. But then from two to like three-ish, it was Baby Einstein, or not Baby Einstein's, Little Einstein's with the rocket ship. Oh, yeah. And like, he would, he knows every single like he would cry before on, um, on an episode. I remember him crying and it's this one little guy was jumping on a snowflake and then he falls down the mountain. But before they even get there, Evan would have meltdowns. And I was like, what is going on? Like, why are you crying? Like, are you hurt? Cause he doesn't cry. So I'm like, are you hurt? Like what's going on? And I remember looking at the iPad and that character falling down the mountain and he was just like distraught. And I was like, is it cause your friend got hurt? And he'd look at me like, yeah. And I was like, oh, bud. I'm like, we can, I'm like, maybe we should just skip this area. Like skip it over because he's crying so much. But I realized when we were doing that too, like that's not giving him his, like he knows it's coming. Like he want, I feel like he wanted to go through that emotion to know that he gets saved at the end. Like he knows it's coming. So like, so we were, we would still play the episode and then whenever it would come, like we, I remember like sitting with him being like, he's going to be okay. Remember, like he comes back, he's going to be fine. And kind of walked him through it, even though he's seen it like a million times. But he's just, and that's when I realized like he, he gets it. And like when things are happening on TV and it's funny, like it's, it, it's funny. He's laughing. Like he gets it. The iPad was probably the best thing that we could have done is like giving him that sense of control of what he wants to watch yeah. we do other things with them but like that's his most like that's where his entertainment comes from the day wow yeah. so cognitively I mean he mm -hmm. he is present I mean 
yes and no's and asking your questions and you're right his communication is spot on and and I think too of like I mean I'm a mom of a child who is nonverbal but sometimes it's even hard for me to talk to kids that are nonverbal when they're not my kids because it's like well, what am I supposed to talk about it's like, I do this all day long like but it's me going like I don't know what to do like my PC kids in wheelchairs my child's in a wheelchair like why am I treating them and I don't treat them differently but it's like I like rethink it and it's like this shit comes so naturally to me. Like I shouldn't even be guessing. Like, but I think it's because we we've, we've grown up, and I still struggle with it of like making sure you say the right thing. Don't make people feel uncomfortable. Like, but for that mom who is walking with that child, and someone goes like, "Oh, I'm, you know, I really like your bow," and they're looking at me like they can't talk to you. It's like I know they can't talk to me. That's why I didn't ask them a question. I didn't ask him anything. I'm telling them. I really like their book. I mean, I would never say that to a mom, but that's what I do is like, I'll state some, something like, oh, I really like this. Or, you know, I don't ever I'll ask mom a question that some people get, I don't. And like I said, I'm different than a lot of, especially these moms. Like I know some people get offended when you talk about their child in front of them. And it's like, I don't. Evan, Evan knows he can't answer that question. So if you're going to ask something, like you can ask it as long as your heart is, if, if you're coming from a good place, like you mean well, your heart's there, like you shouldn't feel like you're going to offend anybody. Does that make sense? Like, so some people yeah. will say things out of their own, like they, they just want to know. And sometimes like that can be hurtful because they don't want to know more. It's like, well, what's wrong with them? And for me, like, I don't take offense to that because I, I understand why somebody is asking that, but some people were like, there's nothing wrong with my son. Yeah. Like, but for me, yes, there is something wrong with him. He's not typical. He's not doing the same things other people are. So I don't take that offense anymore. Where before people would say special needs. I'm like, eh. like my kid's not special needs. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and then I realized like, even if Evan were to go to school or anything like that, he would still need extra help. He wouldn't, he couldn't survive without help at school. Yeah. And that's where your special needs, I feel like that's with parents. It, it's hard to accept that word of like your child's special needs where it's, I mean, I, it's not even special needs anymore for me. It's your child's terminal. It's like, I mean, there's an ending. There's not like, I mean, everyone dies, but it's like, there is definitely something yeah. else that comes with that so yeah I think I saw a sibling uh that was with their sibling who had had some some special needs and special health care stuff and and another child approached them and the the child that approached them said what's wrong with his legs or something like that and and the sibling the typically developing sibling looked over at, at the kid and said um are you asking because you're curious or are you asking because you're trying to be mean you know, and for him, it was like, well, I'm just curious, you know, and, and it just like changed the whole perspective of the conversation. And I thought, oh, wow, that's pretty powerful. Are you asking because you're curious or are you asking because you're trying to be mean, you know? Yeah. And I thought, oh, wow. That's, that's a great way to. It's siblings. Like if you want to like learn how to treat a child with special needs or is to look at their sibling and see how they treat them because they are remarkable. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have 
a child while Evan was still here because not only will, I mean, it's been a huge blessing for Evan, but like, I know it'll be a huge blessing for Ryan because when those hard days come where somebody else is going through something, he can be there and be like, well, with my brother, yada, yada, yada. I mean, even if you just hear stories, it's still that connection that they'll have. Like, he'll, he'll know better than to do certain things because... Instant advocate. Yeah. But yeah, that's one of the things that I love is like watching siblings. But like yeah. how they, they'll, they'll do something to help mom out because they happen to be standing right there. But they don't feel that, that that's their job. But I'm also hoping like with Ryan, if Evan is long and like around long enough, that Ryan feels comfortable enough to do it, but he doesn't feel like that's his job. I don't want him to ever feel like the burden of his brother is on him because that's not fair either as a, from my, how I see it is I don't feel like that's fair to him to be having to be on alert all the time, even though he's the younger brother and that he's typical. Like he wants to play with his own friends. He wants to do his own things. And he's also typical. Like I don't I mean, would I love for Ryan to grow up and be a doctor? Heck yeah. But like, am I going to force him to be a doctor because his brother's special needs? Absolutely not. Like, I would never force Evan to be a doctor because he has special needs. So yeah. would I force his brother to do that? So this has been amazing, fantastic. I love getting to know your family with, with Sam and Evan and Ryan. And so I appreciate you giving us a glimpse today into your world uh, and, and kind of that, that pre that diagnosis moment. And so I know that that's going to lead into a lot of future conversations that we can have. So um, thank you for this little bit that we can continue yeah. to expand upon. So, yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Saved You a Seat. Oklahoma Family Network promotes family-centered care and provides tools so families can make informed decisions, advocate for improved services, build connections among families, and serve as a trusted resource in health care of children and young adults. If you would like to become a supporting family or get in touch with another family, please contact Oklahoma Family Network at oklahomafamilynetwork.org or by calling 405-271-5072.